I do really enjoy building sequentially and building on sermons, but sometimes it's nice when you just have an opportunity just to take a different part of scripture or take a different topic and just spend some time in it for the day. So today we're going to go into the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about a story that I'm sure most of us are very familiar with, and this is the story of Paul and Silas when they were thrown in prison. But as I prayed, my prayer today is that we not go, oh yeah, I know that story, but that even as we work through it and as we walk through it, that God speaks to you something fresh and something new. That God speaks to you something that is key and important for the times we're in, for the season we're in, for where you are in your life. And so let's go to Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 16, and, uh, and let's just read through the story first together. It says, as we are going to the place of prayer, everybody say place of prayer. Oh, come on, that was kind of weak. Everybody say place of prayer. Much better, thank you. All right, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. Well, not really. They just took away your, uh, your, your source of income at the moment. And when they, they said, they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept their practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them, gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried aloud with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called out to them and served. I, or call, called, they call, and the jailer called for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And they brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And they took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced among his entire household. And he rejoiced along with his entire household who had believed in God. Now, I want to take some time today, and I want to work through this passage. Um, one of the things I actually teach in my biblical preaching course, which was my favorite course to teach at Carriage College. One of my great students is right here on the front row. Uh, but we talk about different types or styles of messages. So there's a topical message. And I love preaching topical messages. But what a topical message is, I mean, it's pretty simple in the title. You take a topic... And you speak or you teach to that topic. And then you bring different verses or different concepts of scriptures and stories and other things that will illustrate that topic. It's a great way to preach and teach. It helps people really focus on an area, a specific area of their life or a specific area of need. Another type of sermon is a narrative sermon. And what a narrative sermon is, a narrative sermon is based around a story. So it could be based around a story from the scriptures, just like a story we're reading here. It could be based around a story from someone's life, someone's testimony, for example. If someone will preach through their testimony, that's a narrative sermon because it's preaching from a story. And then there's also an exegetical sermon. 
And an exegetical sermon is where you don't start with the topic per se, but you start with a passage, and then you work your way through that passage, and you share on what that passage is teaching you. Now, this is a powerful way of teaching and preaching because it really takes the word, it makes sure you see things in context, and it breaks things down. Now, I I appreciate all these different styles of preaching. I think anyone who's a communicator needs to have each one in their bag, so to speak, that they can pull out. I love doing topical, but today I want to do a little bit of a narrative because I want to work through the story, but it's also going to be a little bit of exegetical because we're going to take some time and actually see what this passage is speaking to us. So let's dive in. I want to start in verse 16. It says, as we are going to the place of prayer. I want you to say that again, the place of prayer. I want to start with this today, just an encouragement. I'm going to pull some different things from this passage that I believe God would want to speak to us in this time we're in, but I want to start at the risk of sounding like a broken record, because we preach about this a lot, we talk about this a lot. But I want to talk to you about the importance of prayer in your life. I want to talk to you about the importance of being a praying believer, and I want to talk about the importance of being a praying church. Because everything that we are going to see in this passage, remember, nothing in the Bible is there by accident. And everything that we are going to see in this passage, I believe, the power we see, the authority we see, the perseverance through difficulty that we see, the salvations and the souls won to Jesus that we see, all starts with where we're starting this passage as they're on their way to the place of prayer. And this suggests that this was not an unusual or a unique occurrence of what was happening, but it speaks of it as if it was a regular practice. And we know this, interestingly enough, because we see with Peter and John, when they healed the man who was lame, they were on their way to the place of prayer. The church started in the book of Acts, in the upper room, in what? Not a strategy meeting, even though I'm not against strategy, but in a prayer meeting. We see that it is the place of prayer. And I want to encourage you this afternoon, I want to continue to challenge us, not because I feel like, oh, we're doing terrible, but I want to continue to fuel the fire in our hearts for the place of prayer. Where are you in your prayer life today with God? Where are you in your prayer life with him? Because as we're going to see about Paul and Silas through this passage, and we see it even as we dig further, they were men of prayer. You can't just have somebody else do your praying for you and expect to walk in all that God has for you. But God is calling us to be people of prayer. Come on, someone ask your neighbor, are you a person of prayer? Yo, it's interesting. I shared this quote before, but it's so good, I'll share it again. Corey Ten Boom said this. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? And for too many of us, the problem is that prayer is not our steering wheel, which directs where we're going, but prayer has become our spare tire. Yo, it's interesting. I was joking around a little bit, and I was thinking about this. With the spare tire, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand right now, but some of us don't even know where our spare tire is. We know we have a spare tire. We think we have a spare tire. I mean, I had a RAV4 a number of years ago, and so on the RAV4, we had the spare tire at the back, you know, and you could just see it. It was kind of the style of the vehicle. And so the spare tire's on the back. But for a lot of us, we don't even know where our spare tire is. And as long as things are going good, we don't even think about it. We don't need our spare tire. But then when you blow a tire, when you have a problem issue, a lot of us all of a sudden are scrambling, going, okay, wait a minute, where's my spare tire? How do I even get this thing out? How do I put this thing on? That is not the way that we want to treat prayer in our lives. Do not allow prayer to become your spare tire. But as Corey Ten Boom encouraged us, let prayer be your steering wheel. See, for Paul and Silas, prayer was their steering wheel. It was setting the course for where they were going. It was not their spare tire. How's your devotional life today? 
Do you have a personal time with God? I, I, I've just, my heart has been stirred to just be encouraging. A lot of times we're looking for these big, massive spiritual things, but it starts with, do you have a devotional life? Are you reading your Bible on a daily basis? Are you spending time in prayer? That's where these things are built and cultivated. When we have times of prayer as a church and we have opportunities to pray, you know, pre-service prayer. I was encouraged today by just the number of people who got here, not at 11.30 when service started, but beforehand to pray and just to set the atmosphere. See, that's being a praying church. That's being a praying people. Paul and Silas, prayer was their steering wheel. Let's make prayer our steering wheel as well. And so that we would be people of prayer and we'd be people who make prayer our steering wheel. Let's keep reading here. It says, so as we're going to the place of prayer, so this is where it all starts. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servant of the most high God who proclaimed you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. Everybody say many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you by the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her at that very hour. Now, I don't know about you, but quite often I read these biblical stories and there's a lot of details that they just don't tell us. It's like God tells us the things we need to know, and part of that's just the nature of storytelling. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a bunch of questions. I don't know if there's anybody else that's going to have a bunch of questions. I'm not, 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 not doubtful questions, not bad questions. I just, I want to know. It's like Paul, I'm thinking, Paul, why did you let her walk around many, many days, declare it into, and then decide to cast the demon out? Right, like what's going on? I mean, when I get to heaven too, I'm really hoping they have like a supernatural VR room, like virtual reality, where you know you can just go and dial up certain stories. I laugh. I think some of them will blow our mind, and then some of them will probably be actually like, oh, that was it? Right? Like not in a bad way, but you know, you got this Lord of the Rings kind of picture, you know, this is what it looked like. And then you actually get to see the story, you go, oh, uh, okay, well, that wasn't even that big of a deal. But we all have our picture of how it looks, don't we? But I, I don't know why. The Bible doesn't tell us why Paul let her do that for many days. I mean, maybe at first he didn't discern it was an evil spirit. I mean, I don't know. That maybe doesn't make sense. But again, we just don't know why. Maybe he just was like, you know what? This is distraction. I'm just going to focus on preaching the gospel. You know, I was laughing about it today, too, thinking maybe, you know, because I think with Paul and Silas, you know, they're like a team. And if you study the life of Paul, Paul was like a strong personality. He was a driver. He'll call you out. Like, he rebuked Peter in front of everybody. When Timothy, or not when Timothy, when, uh, uh, who was it, John Mark bailed out on one of their missions trips. He wanted to come the next time. Paul's like, no, he's a slacker. Don't bring him. He bailed on us last time. Like, Paul's like, I, I feared Silas was probably like the, the people person of their team. Right? It was just kind of, so I don't know. Maybe Paul and Silas were talking about, maybe they kind of knew, you know what? It, it, we're, we, this could be, like Silas is just there, Paul, let's just leave it. Let's just preach the gospel. And Paul's getting more annoyed every day. Paul, let's just leave it, Paul. One day Paul's like, I can't leave it anymore. Right? Then they up in prison. So I was like, you had to, didn't you? You just, you couldn't handle it. Anymore. We, we don't know why. But for some reason, Paul allowed this and Silas allowed this to go on for many days before they dealt with it. Here's my question for you today, because I think this is what God's asking us. Are there some things you are tolerating in your life right now that you should be rebuking? Are there some things that you and I today, I believe the Lord would ask, he's calling us deeper in prayer, but he's also saying, are there some things that we have been tolerating that we should be rebuking? 
Are there some things that we are allowing in our lives? We're making an excuse for it. We're saying it's not that big of a deal. We're saying it doesn't matter that much. Because if you think about it, yeah, it's an evil spirit, but the evil spirit was saying good things, right? The evil spirit was saying these are people that Paul, you know, they're preaching about the gospel. They're preaching about salvation. Are there things that God is saying to you today, it's time to stop tolerating this. It's time to stop or start rebuking it. It's time for it to be out of your life. You know, it talks about in Song of Solomon, the little foxes that spoil the vine. And it talks about in Song of Solomon, these little foxes. And the picture that it gives, talk about the little foxes, is it gives this picture of where, you know, you have a vineyard and you have the vines and they set up these wooden stakes that support the vines and the vines grow up. And so the vines will be there, and then these little foxes would sneak into the vineyard. Because they put up fencing, and they put up different things to stop, you know, different animals and pests from getting into the vineyard. But these little foxes, because they're just little ones, they would sneak in. But what they would do was so problematic, because they would go to the base of the vine, and they would start to chew away at the base of the vine. And so they would start to eat away at the life source of the vine. And if you're walking in the vineyard, just as the, you know, as, as the tender of the vineyard, you might be walking and you might be looking, and unless you get right down and look, you wouldn't even notice it. And because of the way they did it, the vine, you wouldn't notice the difference at first. You wouldn't notice the problem. The vine would still continue, but then it would shrivel up and die. Why? Because these little foxes were, were allowed to be in. That's why it says in the Song of Solomon, you'll catch for us the little foxes, little foxes that spoil the vine. Some of us today, God would say to us, you've dealt with lions and bears, but there's little foxes that you're still allowing to run around in your life. There's things that you're tolerating that you need to be rebuking. And family, it is a season for a clearing of house in our lives. It's a season not to tolerate what the enemy would want to do, not to make excuses for it, but it is a season for a clearing of house. And I just want to encourage you, as God would speak to you, if there's some things you realize that you are tolerating, that you need to start rebuking, it is time for a change of posture in your life. And even if you took a little while, we see Paul took a little while, but better late than never. It's better to deal with it now, and if you see it, stop tolerating what God has told you to deal with. Amen? Come on, someone tell your neighbor, stop tolerating what God has told you to deal with. What is that for you? Because that can look different for each one of us. I was laughing. I said, tell your neighbor, stop tolerating what you need to be rebuking, and if it's your spouse, don't tell them it's you. All right? So, right? so we're moving on here. So that's why but the second thing I want to show you and I want to see out of this passage, there's this thing of what are we tolerating that we need to rebuke, but then there's also this element that says, and the evil spirit came out. And I believe in this time, and I think that God's just doing it. There's a divine setup that we're walking through here as a church. But I really feel in this way, deliverance is a biblical concept. It is a biblical ministry. We see it all through the ministry of Jesus. We see it all through the New Testament and the early church. And I believe that God is calling us to go deeper in a place of understanding, of revelation and authority regarding the ministry of deliverance. This is something that God's called us to. God has called us to have a heart to see people walk in freedom. But see, it starts first with us. Someone say it starts with me. See, you can't bring freedom to somebody else if you're tolerating it in your own life. 
right? You can't bring breakthrough for somebody else. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect. We're all on a journey. But if you are not get, walking in freedom in your life, you cannot bring freedom to somebody else's life. But what we see here is we see a pattern, whereas if we make a decision, Lord, I want freedom in my life. I want freedom, and I want, I'm not going to tolerate what the enemy wants to do. I'm not going to tolerate the work of darkness or the work of the enemy in my life. And we walk in freedom, then it now positions us in a place of authority to see freedom ministered to people around us. You know, I don't think it's by accident that we are having Emma Stark and Sam Robinson come in a couple weeks to teach and trans. Because I know some of us, we talk about deliverance conference. I know there's some of you went, I am not going to that. Right, because in your mind, you have this picture of like Exorcist or some Hollywood movie, and you're like, that's freaky. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm not even going there. But guys, we're not talking about that. Stop watching and think about that. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about freedom. I love what Emma says, where she says this. She says, how free can I get you? And I believe that's an important question for us in this season. Will we walk in the fullness of the freedom that God has in our lives, but then will we get determined about seeing God's freedom in other people's lives? It's not right for us to take the freedom that Jesus has given us, but have not have a heart to see that freedom go to other people. And guys, I can tell you, when you understand how the enemy gets access to people's lives, we are living in a generation with so much demonic oppression, and even as we're saying we want the harvest, we want to reach people, we want to see people come to Jesus, people are going to come in with demonic oppression in their life, and God says, I want to teach you how to live in authority, and I want to teach you, not in a spooky, weird way, but in a biblically sound way, how to see people walk in freedom. Come on, somebody say freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I, 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 there's part of what I was here just at the Lord in my heart is, is we can't be okay with people being bound. We can't, there's something about it that's got to anger us. There's something about it that's got to stir something in our heart. We go, this is not right, this is not okay. It's not okay for me to experience freedom that I have in Jesus, but then to me be okay with other people not experiencing Furthermore, one of the things that really hit me was how often do we see someone in bondage to the enemy, but because of a religious mindset, we judge them, we separate ourselves from them, instead of recognizing, man, that's the work of the enemy, they need freedom. They need to be set free through the power of Jesus. Right, the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of weakness in high places. The weapons of our warfare, Joel was quoting this earlier today, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God wants to raise us up to live in the fullness of freedom. Don't settle for 70% freedom. Don't settle for 80% freedom. Don't settle for 99% freedom. But believe for 100% freedom in your life. But then don't settle for just that for you yourself, but say, Lord, how can I get this freedom into as many people as possible? Let's stop putting our faith in the bondage of the enemy more than the power of God to set people free. And let's not have a mindset that that's just too hard, that's just too difficult, that's just a struggle. Someone, no, there is freedom in Jesus. It was for freedom that he set us free. And I want to encourage you today, if you've got something that's bound you up in your life today, I want you to know the first John 3 verse 8 says this, whoever makes a practice 
of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning for them. But this is the reason the Son of God appeared, to destroy the works of the devil. If you feel hopeless in something, I want you to have hope today because there's freedom in Jesus. The power of God is greater than the power of darkness. Light always overpowers darkness. You just got to make a decision to keep the light switch on. And there is freedom in him. I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying it's always just going to happen at the snap of your fingers and everything's going to be perfect after one prayer. But I want you to notate there is freedom in Jesus. I love this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of that word destroy. The original language, it's Greek word luau. I'm not pronouncing it very well. But it gives a picture of where someone is bound and you untie and loosen all that is binding them. Jesus came for freedom. And I believe that the Lord wants to stir a fresh revelation and authority in our lives. And so I want to encourage you in this conference. Pastor Cheryl mentioned at the end, we're just about full. We have people from all over the city, the province, people from coming to other parts of the country. But I want to encourage you, we need to make an investment in growing in this. We need to make an investment and say, okay, God, we want to see people walk in freedom. It's not only the ministry of deliverance. There's many other things. Like we believe in, in Christian counseling, and we believe in anointed people who can talk with people and walk through things and minister. We believe in things like ministering the Father's heart and all those things. But I want to tell you guys, there is some things that is a demonic oppression in someone's life. And you can do counseling for years. You can't counsel out a demon. You need to rebuke the demon and command it to go and stop giving it an open door. Now, I don't say that to take away. You need the other things too, and other things can minister, but God is training us for war. God's training us for battle. He's training us to praise. He's training us in worship. He's training us in the word. He's training us in being able to minister deliverance to people. Amen, I can see you guys are all really excited about this, but it's okay. I know we're just getting hit, but this is where we're going. And part of my job in this season is, listen, we're not going to do cream puff, lukewarm, half-hearted Christianity that where you just kind of try not to sin and hope you go to heaven. There is so much more God's put inside of you, right? And part of my job is to equip you so you do what God called you to do. And part of what you're called to do is bring freedom everywhere you go. Right? You, the freedom just needs to be because the presence, the spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. So when you walk in where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So if he's in you, when you walk into somewhere, there's an atmosphere of freedom that starts to come. Okay, I get my whole message off of this. Come on, somebody say freedom. freedom. And so we see is God's calling us. God's calling us. It's not just for the Pauls and the Silas's, but it's for each one of us. Verse 19, it says, but when the owners saw their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews. They are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. So they lied. It had nothing to do with that. They're just mad. Number one, because their hold over this woman was broken. And number two, it stopped them making money. But they can't run in and say, these guys just destroyed our business. So they had to come up with something that sounds more official. So they advocate, they, so the crowd joined attacking them, the magistrates tore the garments off them, gave orders to beat them with rods, and when they afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, they put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, how about you? I don't like this part of the story very much. Right? I like the first part of the story, preaching the gospel, casting out demons, God moving. I like the last part of the story, prisons shaking, doors opening. But this part, if I'm honest, I would want just to skip over this part. 
But here's the thing I believe God's saying to us. God is preparing us to minister freedom. God is preparing us in prayer. God is preparing us to get the fox out of our life. But God is also preparing us to have strength to stand when there's persecution, when there's spiritual warfare that comes against us. Right? They hadn't sinned. There was nothing wrong. They actually were doing what was right. And they actually came under this persecution for setting somebody free. And we're living more and more in a day and age where in seeing people set free and declaring the freedom of Jesus, declaring the word of God, there, there can be some persecution that we can face. And see, the problem is if we are not spiritually and ready for that, when it comes, oh no, what's happening? This is too hard. We fall apart. We fall apart as a church. But see, God's preparing us. He's saying, listen, I'm training your hands for battle. I'm training your hands to bend a bowl of bronze. And part of that is preparing you for spiritual warfare. God gave us spiritual armor for more than looking shiny, looking pretty, and marching in nice parades and talking about our shield and our sword and our helmet and everything else. No, that's because we're going into battles. But then God sends us into battles. What happened? Lord, what are you doing? Where has thou led me? He's like, well, you said we wanted to go advance my kingdom. Right? You want to move things forward. Yeah, but I didn't want all this. I just wanted righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's like, yeah, well, you'll get that too. Quite often you're going to get that in the middle of a battle. You're in the middle of persecution. Here's what Jesus said to us, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heavens, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Now again, I... I don't like these verses so much. I, I like the ones about blessing and favor and, you know, breakthrough. And, and those verses are in there too. I love those verses. But a lot of times we didn't understand the blessing comes in the midst of a challenge. The favor comes when there's those who are set against you. The breakthrough comes because there's something you need to break through because you're actually doing some things to advance God's kingdom. Right? Some of us want testimonies without tests. We want victories without battles. Right? We want, we want, we want God moving without, without a trial or things that are coming up. But this is all part of the journey. It's part of the experience. Right? And so we see this. Uh, the New Living Translation said this in verse 11. It said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Do you know what sometimes when you're following Jesus, when you're ministering freedom? Guys, there's an enemy that does not want you to do what they're doing. And the enemy is going to come. And, 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 and there's times you will be mocked. Right? We need to just prepare our hearts for it. Because here's the deal. If you back off when you're being mocked, somebody doesn't get freedom. Somebody doesn't get delivered. Because, well, they said mean things about me. Listen, God's building something. As we say what you want to say, we're getting people free. And I'm not talking about being arrogant or being kind of all. I'm talking about being humble. I'm talking about honoring. I'm talking about doing all that we do. But I said, but it's interesting because we've got to be ready. It's, you, we'll be mocked. There's times where you're persecuted. That means you're discriminated against. You're put down. You're put out because you're standing for Jesus. But see, that's when you trust him in the middle of all that. And there's times where, and, and I, I started to see this because I get so mad. I see people saying things that are false. I'm like, I don't know about you. That really bothers me. I'm like, at least get your facts straight. <laughs> right? At least if you're going to say it, tell the truth. Right? Because I can take it. But that's not the context here. It's the work of the enemy, and so he's going to say false things against you. But I love about this. This is what Jesus said. 
Go buy junk food and binge watch because you feel so terrible. Back off so people are nicer to you. No, what did he say? He said rejoice because great is your reward in heaven. Right? God wants us to live with this eternal reality. And I want you to understand, we don't have a very good theology for rewards in heaven. But here's what it is. It's the most honorable thing because you stand before Jesus and he gives you rewards for the sacrifices you made, the price you paid, the way you laid down your life for him. And then you wear those crowns and you wear those rewards for all of eternity. And there will be believers who enter into the eternity, the Bible says, with great reward because of the way they live their life for Jesus. There will be others who enter eternity. They get into eternity, but they have very little reward. Why? because they did very little for the kingdom of God and they did not stand when things came against them. And so Jesus says rejoice because every time you're mocked, they're just building up your reward in heaven. Every time you're persecuted, that reward in heaven is just going up. If they lie about you, if they say things that are untrue about you, whatever happens, Jesus said, listen, keep loving them, keep being humble, keep being free because the enemy wants to distract you. Listen, our goal is getting people free. Our goal is getting people to Jesus. The enemy will do whatever he can to get us fighting other people instead of saying, no, I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to bless you when you persecute me. I'm going to stand firm for what you've called, what God's called me to. I'm going to stand in what God, and I understand there's great reward that's coming in heaven. See, it's amazing. If Paul and Silas were unable to handle the persecution, this whole last part of the chapter never would have happened. Do you see that today, guys? Let's keep reading. We're almost done here. And so... So let me ask you this. Like, anyone here ever had a bad day? <laughs> right? We're all being honest. I have bad days. I have some days I just want to go to bed and wake up tomorrow and this day be done. And we're going to forget this day. Well, Paul and Silas had a bad day. Think about it. They're just preaching, doing what God called them to. I mean, they get, they get beaten with rods, their backs are split open, they get thrown into prison. This was not like a nice kind of pristine, this is like we're talking dungeons, you know, whatever, rats, you know, whatever you can think of. Just, they're thrown into this prison, and they're, they're having a bad day. Now, what would your temptation be to do after having a day like this? I'll tell you what my temptation would be. I've done enough for the kingdom of God today, I, I, have, I have a right to a pity party at this moment. Right now, I won't get anybody to admit that we have holy pity parties sometimes. Lord, I do so much for you. I serve. I give. I tithe. What is going on here? What's happening? You know, Paul and Silas could have got there. Paul and Silas are, you know, I'm not doing good, Paul. It's just, this has been a hard day. This is just really, yeah, Paul's like, yeah, Silas is really difficult too. It's just really hard. No, but what did Paul and Silas do? About midnight. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. See, there's, there's a key here. When we're persecuted, right, when we face challenges, when you have a bad day, too many of us wrong to do the wrong things. Paul and Silas had this spiritual toughness where they knew the right thing to do. And I love it because it's a little bit of the word Joel shared in that. They understood that their praise was a weapon. They understood that their prayers were a weapon. And I don't know if they really thought the prison was going to be shaken. I mean, this prayer. But they weren't doing it for any other reason than they said, we've had a hard day. We've had a rough time. But we're going to praise God anyways. We're going to worship anyways. We're gonna, and they, I love it too because they stirred one another up. You need some Pauls and Silas's in your life who are not going to just get into a pity party with you, but are going to call you up into the promises of God, call you up into thanksgiving, call you up into remembering all that God's done for you. So they're there, they're praising, they're worshiping, and it wasn't just a quiet praise. 
was just, okay, Jesus, thank you so much for this day, and thank you for this, and okay, let's sing. No, they were loud because the entire prison could hear them. And I love this because it just reminds me, guys, it goes back to this theme of being a people of prayer and being the people of praise. We've got to lay that foundation in our lives, but then when the challenges come, when the battles come, when the difficulties come, if you've had a rough week, that's not a week to sleep in and say, well, I'll just watch it online at some point. That's the time to get here and to get to the front and to get in the presence of God, to get somebody with say, I need you to pray with me this week. I'm going to battle right now. I'm going to battle for what God's doing, but whatever's going on in my life, it's not going to steal my prayer and it's not going to steal my praise to God. And that they stirred their hearts and then verse 26 is suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaking. Guys, we are in a time of shaking right now. God is shaking everything that can be shaken, and we need to say, there's a word in first service today, Lord, whatever you need to do, do it in me. Whatever you need to do, just get, like, I make room for you to do whatever you want to. So I say, God, I make room for you, do whatever you want to, except this, 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 don't talk about this, don't touch this, don't go here. Get rid of the list, and just say, God, whatever you need to do in me, do it in me. Whatever needs to be shaken, shake it. Whatever needs to be changed, change it. Guys, God's preparing us here. That's why he's saying, get rid of the little foxes. Let me shake out what needs to be shaken in your lives. Why? Because there's a great earthquake. The foundation prison here. And then I love this just to close. And if Jerry, if you want to come back, we're going to pray. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. Because the law in those days is if you were guarding prisoners, if they escaped, you gave up your life. That was just cut and dried. So he was going to kill himself. And, but Paul cried in a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and trembling in fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He knew where to go. He, he, knew, he, he, knew, he knew who was at the center of what had just happened. And, and then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. I just want to encourage you, I believe it's a fresh season to be praying for household salvation. I believe it's a fresh season to say, hey, God, I'm believing you for my family members. I'm believing you for my parents. I'm believing you for those who are around me. The word's actually oikos. Those are my circle of influence. It is a season of harvest. And they said, and where, where did it go? And they said, you and your household. And, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and all were in his house. And he took them the same night, washed their wounds. He was baptized at once, and he ate all his family. They brought them to the house and set food before him. He rejoiced along with his entire household. They had believed God. Here's the last thing I want to encourage you. Paul and Silas, God moves, but their heart was for the harvest. Their heart was for how can we use what God's just done to advance God's. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know about you, but I would have been in the mode at that moment. That prison door shake open. I've been like, Hallelujah, it's a miracle. God moved. Silas, peace out. Let's go. Right? Like, I'd be out of there. Not Paul. Paul's looking to preach the gospel. Paul's going, This is an opportunity to share the gospel. Furthermore, he preaches to him, then they bind up his back, and then they feed him. I at least would have been like, you need to fix my back, you need to give me some food, and then maybe I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. But he was so committed to the gospel. Right, guys, I would have been out of there. Like, just in my natural self, I think, and especially if you've got a bless me, 
perspective instead of a gospel perspective. Wow, look at what God just did. God just did my praise and my worship. It opened the doors. This is going to be such an amazing testimony to share at Jerusalem, Silas. Just think of everyone. When we get up at the big conference and we share this testimony, let's get out of here. Paul wasn't even worried about that. Paul's thinking, man, where's the opportunity to preach? I started preaching. I'm going to end preaching. And there was a whole household that was brought to freedom because Paul and Silas said, we're gonna praise and we're gonna pray even when it's hard. We're gonna praise and pray even when we've been persecuted. And not that, but we are gonna have a heart for the gospel. We're gonna be rescue ship Christians. We're gonna be a rescue ship believers. We're gonna have a focus on how can we take what God's just done and see some people come to Jesus. And fam, I wanna encourage you in this. It's a season of harvest. It's a season of seeing people come to Jesus. It's a season of seeing people come into the kingdom. And God is looking, he's wanting to stir in our hearts this heart for the harvest. He's wanting to stir in your heart. Where is our heart for people to need to know Jesus? To people come to Jesus? Even in the middle of shaking, even in the middle of challenges, even in the middle of pers- whatever it is that God's saying, I'm looking for the harvest. Will we have this heart for the harvest? Let's bring this to a close. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we've had just to to look at this story of Paul and Silas, two heroes of the faith. And Father, to look at their lives, to look at the steps they took. And Father, I pray that just there's a number of different things I've hit on today. But God, I pray for those today that you're speaking to about their prayer lives and about going deeper in prayer. I pray they will say yes. God, I pray for those who today, you're dealing with them about little foxes in their lives that are spoiling by things they're tolerating instead of rebuking. And Father, I pray that today they will say yes to you. God, I pray for those today, God, who maybe are going through, uh, God, who are going through persecution or going through challenges or going through difficulty. God, that their heart will be so encouraged today about how much it's, how worth it it is to stand for you how worth it is to stand firm no matter what. Father, I pray for those of us whose hearts are being stirred in the area of freedom and deliverance. God, that our hearts will be, I wanna walk in the fullness of the freedom that Jesus bought for me, but I also wanna get that freedom to as many people as possible. And Lord, I pray for hearts for the harvest. God, hearts for praise, hearts for prayer, hearts for the harvest, hearts to reach people with the good news of Jesus. God, I pray that you're speaking that and stirring that in our hearts that we will say yes. Lord, if you're talking to us about any one of these, I pray that we will say yes to you. If you're talking to us about all of them, I pray that you will say yes to you. And so just really quick, I wanna pray over you, but if your heart, God's talking to you about something of this message today. There's something you stir in your heart and you want to say yes to him. I want you just to wave your hand really quick today if you're saying, I'm saying yes. I say yes to you, Lord. Father, thank you. We're saying yes to you. And Father, I thank you for this being a house of freedom. Lord, I thank you for this being a house of deliverance. Father, I thank you for this being a house with a focus for the harvest in Jesus' name. Lord, that we will be believers who are giving our all to you. And so, Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. And just in close, before I turn over to my wife, with head bowed and eyes closed, the foundation of freedom is giving your life to Jesus. The Bible teaches us that God loves us with an everlasting love, but we've been separated from that love by sin. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. All of us deserve it. I'm pointing the finger at you. I'm talking to me, every one of us. The gospel 
does not tell us there's good people and bad people. The gospel tells us there's bad people and there's Jesus. And when we give our lives to Jesus, then we're renewed and transformed. It's not pointing a finger at anybody. It's all of us, but the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a free gift of God of eternal life. And it's real simple to access it. You gotta desire it. You gotta ask for it. You gotta put your faith in Jesus. But it's just as simple as calling on his name and God comes and transforms you. And so just before I pass this on today, if you're in this place and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, or in this place you say, I need to give my life back to Jesus. Maybe you used to follow him, used to walk with him, but you know you need to come back. I just want you to wave your hand right now if there's anybody that needs to give your life to Jesus or give your life back to him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I see a hand there. I see a hand there. If there's anybody else just with a hand raised. All right, let's pray this prayer all together. All of us pray it, but if you raised your hand or you know you should have, I want you to pray it from your heart. Say, Jesus, come on, let's pray it all together. Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you came for me. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. Today I turn my back on sin. I commit my life to you. Forgive me. Free me. Fill me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to ask, if you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, you know you should have. We're going to dismiss in just a second, but when we dismiss, I want to invite you. We're going to have some of our connection group leaders, some of our other leaders up here at the front. If you want to come, they would love to just be able to pray with you and to encourage you. We'd love to get a Bible into your hands and just to support you in this decision that you're making. But real quickly before we dismiss, I just turn on my wife for a couple of closing comments. What a great word this morning. Just a couple closing comments as we go today. Um, once again, if you are visiting for the first time, we want to bless you with a gift and just connect with you in the foyer, just to the left of the foyer right after service. want to thank you again um, every week. We want to just say a huge thank you for those of you who are committed to sowing generously and giving generously here at Toronto City Church. We can't do what we do here um, without generous givers. And I just want to say thank you for that wanted to remind you of two things. Number one, as Pastor Brennan mentioned, uh, the conference is almost full, literally almost full. We'll probably close registration uh, today or tomorrow or the day after, depending on how quickly we get to that full capacity. So if you have not done that and you want to come to the conference with Emma Stark and uh, Sam on uh, deliverance, you can register online. If finances are an issue, just let us know. Um, and we, we definitely want you to be able to come out. Um, and then secondly, once again, the funeral uh, for uh, Norm will be up at uh, Shepherd and, is it Warden and Shepherd, I believe it is. Um, so for those of you that are, are wanting to attend, once again, that's at Warden and Shepherd at 3.30 or Highland Funeral Homes at 3.30 this afternoon. Let me just pray for you real quick. Father, I just thank you for each and every one that is represented here, every family member here at Toronto City Church and guests. Father, we thank you that you go before us. You're in our tomorrow. You were in our past and you are in our present. And Father, we trust in you today, knowing that your leadership is good. So Father, I pray just a blessing over everyone as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Greet someone on your way out. Have an awesome week and we'll see you next week.